Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, you know, it's an honor today to speak on Mother's Day and have my beautiful bride, the mother of my beautiful four children, soon to be a grandmama this year. Soon to be a grandma, December this year, uh, our Ash and our Aubrey are pregnant and pregnant with a little boy. So the Matessius name lives on, which is wonderful. But come with me in, in your Bibles. I'm going to read from uh, 2 Timothy 1.5 just to, just to kind of set this. The title of my message today is intentionally uh, a little bit cheeky. It's, and on the eighth day, God created mamas. Just to upset all the religious people. When we were in Israel, I realized that religion is actually worse than sin. Jesus atoned for sin on a cross, but he couldn't, couldn't fix religion. So the religious people around the cross had said, you know, others he saved, himself he cannot save. If you are the son of God, come down, we shall believe you. But when you're in Israel, sin's not a good thing. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus was able to atone for sin. But that religious spirit, ugh. that's why I like being a little bit naughty. Everywhere we went in Israel, we were upsetting the religious. Did you notice that? Everywhere we went, the, the religious were getting upset. And uh, re religion is always a, it's always a control mechanism by men to control other men. God is not into it. Anyway, so uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, this is Paul writing to Timothy, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and this is what he's saying to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, I see... Resident in you, I see living, dwelling in you, flowing through you, a faith. But I recognize that that faith isn't a first generation thing in you. I see it. I see its fingerprints in your mama. And I see it not just in your mama, but I see it in your grandmama. This is something was, that was passed down through the maternal line that you're now flowing in. And then, then Paul goes on to say, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of hands. And, but it, it all flows through faith. Uh, today I'm going to preach a message. I've got five points. That was a test and Sterling, you passed. It was just a cheeky smile, but you, you were with me in faith. I love you, Sterling. So I've got five points. I've got through four in the 830. How many people believe I can get through five in this one? And, and the reason I wanted to open with that scripture is because I, I need you to understand that, that it's not just uh, sin and iniquity and curses that are, that are passed down generationally. The Bible says God visits the iniquity to the third and fourth generation, then he puts a, a stop on it. But the Bible says that his, his loving mercy and his kindness is for a thousand generations. We haven't even had a thousand generations in the earth. So I say all of that to set this, this message up, that I want you to know that sometimes when we read the Bible, we can get a little bit misogynistic with it. And we, we read about, you know, Abraham, the father of our faith, and Moses, the great deliverer, and, you know, Jacob, who walked with God, and David, who slayed Goliath. 
like, and, and it can almost be like a bit of a men's book. But I need you to understand that, that there are just as many women in the Bible and especially mothers that did awesome things. And so I kind of felt like it was, it was a right thing for me today on Mother's Day to not just honor our beautiful mothers, but to honor the mothers from the Bible and let you understand that, that because you're born again, when you are born again, you, you actually have the thousand generation flow that everything that I speak today is actually in your lineage. It's actually, it's actually stored up in, your, in the cloud, a spiritual one above you that you can access at any time. So as I'm preaching these things, if you kind of feel like, man, there's a deficit or man, I wouldn't mind more of that. Well, guess what? It's your inheritance. There are mothers that have paid a price. They are heroines in the Bible. These are extraordinary women who did extraordinary things because of their extraordinary, they, they birthed something and that thing's available. Just like it came down from Lois to Eunice into Timothy. Timothy pastored the largest church. The church in Ephesus, they say was up to about 60,000 people that young Timothy in his mid to early 20s was pastoring that church but it's because he had a faith that was in his mama and that she had a faith that was in grandmama and I want you to know today what I'm preaching to you is is an impartation what I'm preaching to you is a realization of something that you can bring to activation and realization in your life amen amen well the first thing, the first thing I want you to understand is in this house, in this house, I love upsetting the religious spirits. And, and the word triggered is, is a fun word. I feel like I'm not preaching correctly if people aren't getting triggered. But the Lord gave me a really beautiful revelation on triggered. He said, don't be upset when people get up and walk out because, you know, they get triggered. Don't be upset. He says, all that the triggered is, is just an indicator of how much they need to be delivered. So the level of your trigger is the level that you need to be delivered. So it's real, real simple. So I'll make no apologies. And uh, in, in Genesis 3 verse 20, it, it said, God, uh, Adam names his wife Eve. In Hebrew, the word cheve means Eve. Or is translated Eve, but Cheve means life bringer or life giver. And the Bible says, And Adam named his wife Eve, for she would be the mother of all the living. Adam was prophesying, they had no babies yet, but he was prophesying, saying, All life will come through you. All, all that live in the earth will come through you. Everything in the Bible is a shadow, a type, and a picture of Jesus. Just need you to understand that. We were just in Israel, and what was very, very interesting about Israel is they had this Bible. They had the Word of God. But we saw, especially when we went to the tomb of David, we saw the, the Orthodox, the Hasidic Jews, and, you know, they got the... They've got all the accoutrements and, and, and they're, they're, they're in bondage. And Pastor Charles said, you know, Pastor Jürgen, it looks like they're, you know, they're, they're just genuine, sincere people, but praying to the wrong God. And, uh, and the Lord immediately came and said, no, 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 they're praying to the right God. It's not they've got the wrong God. They've got the right God, just the wrong approach, just the wrong approach. It's Cain. 
Cain, when God cursed the ground, Cain says, oh, no, no, my, here's an offering of my work, my efforts. I know you cursed the ground, but I'm going to bring from my labor, from my striving, from my toil, something from the ground that can overcome the curse. And God says, actually, your human effort can't overcome the deficit. Abel, Abel comes, and what does he bring? He brings a firstborn lamb. He brings a firstborn lamb. This is a picture of the two covenants, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The New Testament was all about works. If you can keep the commandments, which none of us can. So Abel comes and he says, no matter what I bring, no matter what I produce, it'll not, it won't be good enough to, to, to bridge the deficit. And he puts his faith and his trust in an, the, the blood of a slain innocent lamb. Who are we as born-again believers? We are people who have put our faith and our trust in the slain, innocent Lamb of God upon the cross. And so because they looked at the Scriptures and then Yeshua ben Elohim, Jesus, walked before them in Israel, they had the Scriptures pointing to Jesus and Jesus was there. And for whatever reason, they did not want to see Him. The Bible says now there's a veil that hangs over their eyes because they chose not to see. They are, there's a level of spiritual blindness. And the Bible says that veil is taken away in Christ. When, when, when they come to Christ and you see these beautiful messianic Jews who have come to realize, oh my gosh, Jesus actually is who he says he is. When you look at the, 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 the Bible prophecies, you know, J. John sat with some rabbis and they were arguing and the rabbis were kind of dissing that, that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And J. John is so, so witty. He just said, well, you know, let's do this then. Just get me your 10 favorite messianic verses. And what we'll do is we'll write them down. You read them. And then I'll ask you in history, who most closely resembles that person? And he says none of the rabbis wanted to take him up because they knew that it pointed to, to Jesus. So I say all of that to say this, that just as God brought Eve out of Adam's side, when Jesus was on the cross, a spear went through his side, blood and water flowed, which is the symbol of birth. Blood and water is the symbol of birth. Out of Jesus' side came his bride, the church. The church is the Eve. The church is the life giver. There are 7.8 billion people living on the planet, but not 7.8 billion people have life. The people that have life are all the ones who have been born through Eve through the church, all the people who are born again, you have life and everlasting life. Jesus says, though he dies, yet shall he live. So Eve is a picture of the church. The church is the life giver. That's why Satan hates the church. That's why the demoniacs on, on Coronado don't want, you know, but they, they don't get to, they don't get to dictate. We're going to, we're going to drive them out. And the church is coming to Coronado. Because we are life-giving. Wherever the church goes, the church brings life. Can somebody say amen? amen? All right, now come with me. Judges chapter 5, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I want to honor my beautiful Leanne because she preached this message in uh, 2020 at the Color Conference, the, the largest women's conference in the world. And I was arguing with this poor, beautiful young lady on the plane uh, saying, babe, what are you going to preach at conference? She says, I've got this message on Deborah. I'm like, message? I've never heard you preach a message. It's a new one. I'm like, babe, why would you risk preaching a new one? You've got so many brilliant messages. You're on the largest platform. Pre why don't you preach? He I love Hezekiah. Preach your Hezekiah. It's funny. It's powerful. And she's like, no, no, God's told me. I'm like, babe, like, just 
level with me. You're about to get on the largest platform. Preach and just entertain like they'll love you. It's funny. It's powerful. She's like, yeah, nah. Now I'm going to pray. And I'm like, dear God, woman, submit. But she was so resolute in I've heard from God and God has given me an assignment and I dared not mess. I did not play that card. So I'm like, oh, I'll just pick that one up. Okay, because I need to be submitted to him. Because if I'm not submitted to him, she has no right to submit to me. So I said, okay, let me just get this in right order. You go up. And I'm telling you, she preached this message and, and let's read the scripture and you'll see. It says, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. When leaders lead in Israel, sometimes it's very easy to have people that have the title of a leader, but they're not leading. The position of a leader, but they're not leading. When leaders lead, things go right. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. This is the song of Deborah. Deborah is a prophetess. She's singing. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the God, the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath. In the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. And the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They, Israel, chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. When Pastor Leanne preached that message, she preached a message, and this was about maybe a month or so, six weeks out from the world going into the COVID pandemic with forced lockdowns and shutdowns where literally village life would cease. I had no idea how prophetic this young lady was at that particular time. She was preaching a message preparing the largest women's conference in the world for what was about to happen. And isn't it interesting that it says that mothers would arise, that, that, I, that, that village life had ceased until I dead. Deborah, a mother, arose. You know what was interesting? That not only were we subjected to lockdowns and shutdowns, but we're also subjected to all kinds of perversion, all kinds of division with, with, you know, CRT, with LGBTQ nonsense rammed down our children's throats, with drag queen story hour. You know, you can't read the Bible in school, but you can have confused men dressed as women going into schools and, 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 educating our children. But when I looked at the, 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 the school uh, board meetings, it was women. It was mamas. We saw the mama bears rising. We saw mamas standing up saying, not on my watch. We saw mamas standing up. We saw mamas pushing back. We saw mamas, you know, getting slandered by, by, by the crazies in, in the, the politics. Political world and in the government, you know, calling the, these mamas domestic terrorists because they dare protect their children. Let me just say this the great lie is that your children don't belong to you, they belong to the state. That is a demonic, that is a communistic, that is a satanic lie. Your children belong to you. The state and the government has no right over your children. They didn't raise them, they didn't birth them. 
They have no right or authority over them. Don't give up your children to the state. So, so that's kind of why, you know, we started Awaken Academy because we realized we, somebody's got to push back. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to, got to. So let me give you five quick thoughts. The first one is this. Deborah is the mama of prophetic leadership. Deborah is the mother of prophetic leadership. What is prophetic leadership? One thing that you'll notice about your, your wives, husbands, is that, that you didn't just marry Miss Wright. Her first name is always. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But women have a discernment men don't have. They have a discernment with clothing. I would never in my life have picked these shoes. Never. I would be afraid of picking these shoes because I'd get beat up. But my beautiful bride bought them for me and said, anyway. And so I remember when skinny jeans was a thing, she bought me skinny jeans and I had an argument for an hour with her how I'm not wearing skinny jeans and I'm not. And then I remember finally yielding and wore, and I got all these compliments like, yeah, I did. And, but she was right. She was right again. So you will find that, 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 that wives, and, and I want to I uh, just encourage all the ladies, there's, a, there's an intuitiveness that women have. Let me just say this, men are created missional, women are created re- relational. Men are created missional. So men, men, will, men will see mission, but women were created relational. God said, it's not good that man should be alone with a mission. I will make him a helper that will bring relationship. So a, a, a woman's number one longing is a relational longing. A man's number one need is a missional. A man has to have meaning, has to have purpose. In, in the United States of America, the highest suicide ever recorded in the 200 and almost 50 years of, of American history was in the 1930s during the Great Depression. More men took their lives than at any time, other time in, in U.S. history because of the Great Depression when men lost their vocation, when men lost their jobs, when men lost their... It was like they lost their mission. They lost their meaning. They lost their purpose. A man needs a mission, but the, the woman is relational. Because she's wired relational, she understands and she sees things about people. What I love about Deborah is Deborah takes her, her intuitive, but she brings it under the Spirit of God. Let me just say this. Whatever you bring under the Spirit of God is amplified. Whatever you bring under the Spirit of God gets, gets elevated, gets exalted. The Spirit of God multiplies whatever you bring. When you bring that discernment under it, it'll, it'll take on a prophetic nature. Here is Deborah, and she's, she's prophesying. And she's prophesying that village life had ceased. And she begins to prophesy, and she begins to put strength in a guy called Barak. Who, who understands the Syrian army led by this, this fierce captain who, who had won every battle he'd gone out to called Sisera. She, she puts this, this courage in Barak, but Barak says, listen, I, I, I hear the word of the Lord, but I just can't. Will you, will you, I'll go into battle as long as you come with me and hold my hand, mama. And she says, all right, I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to go into battle. And the Lord is going to do what he promised. He's going to bring victory. But because you're a little, little bit of a scaredy cat, today the glory is not going to go to you. The glory is going to go to a woman. And if you know the story, you know that the battle is so fierce that, that the Syrian army... A kind of, you know, smack 
upside the head, left, right, and center, and they split, and Sisera is running for his life. And then he sees the tent of Jael, and so he runs up to the tent and says, quick, hide me, hide me. They're behind me, they're behind me. He's exhausted from the battle, and Jael says, oh, yes, come on in, I'll, I'll hide you. It's like, please, I'm, I'm, I'm parched. I'm dying of thirst. Would you give me some water? She goes, water? Why don't you lie down? I'll give you some warm milk. <laughs> lie down. And so she gives him warm milk and strokes his little head and he falls asleep. Then she goes and she removes a tent peg, puts it through his temple and pins him to the ground. And I just love the Bible. It's just awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm just, just naughty things kept coming and I had to dismiss them all. She pins him to the ground and victory came that day. So watch this. JL, who was JL? She was a housewife. Because of Deborah's prophetic leadership, she didn't just put courage in Barak, the commander of Israel's army, but under that anointing that she released, a housewife by the name of JL was able to take down the commander of the armies of Syria by taking what secured the house. She, she, she was a housewife who took what secured the dwelling, what secured the home. What we're seeing today with the rise of the mama bears is the mama bears, Alana Sorensen, extraordinary mama bear. She will take what, 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 this, this is what brings security to my children. This is what brings security to my home. And she'll take that and she'll drive it through the head of the, the Ciceras, the armies, the, the, the captains of the armies. And she pins him to the ground. And that day, everybody praised Jael. Can I just tell you, we're living in a time right now where it's not the people that have the titles and the accreditation and all the degrees. It's the mama bears. It's the mamas fighting for our children. It's the mamas standing up for pro-life. Life. It's the mamas marching in the streets. It's the mamas who are pushing back. Come on, let's give a praise to all the mamas who are fierce, warriors who are fierce, prophesies who are, who are not yielding territory, who are not stepping back, who are saying we're going to determine what values our children have. We rebuke the spirit of confusion trying to, to come after our young people. It's these mama bears who are not just fighting for life in the womb, they're fighting for life outside the womb. And let me just tell you this. If, 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 if there are people who are resolute on destroying life in the womb, do not trust them with life outside the womb. Jesus said, if you can't be faithful in what is least, you won't be faithful with what is much. Don't believe these people say, oh, no, no, you know, we want to slaughter in here. But, oh, you can trust us with, with your future. You can trust us with the elderly. You can trust us with... If they slaughter what is most innocent, they have no problem take, taking you out. So she's the prophetic of, she's the mother of prophetic courage. If you need prophetic courage, that's one thing that's flowing into your life. Number two is Jochebed. Jochebed, who is Jochebed? I'm glad you asked. Jochebed is the mother of Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 2. And tells us how uh, at that particular time there was tyranny. And so the Bible is pretty awesome because the Bible just kind of tells you what to expect what to expect in, in the culture. Pharaoh was seeing that the, the children of Israel were, were multiplying and he was afraid that they would multiply and overthrow Egypt. 
He wanted to be in control. He, 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 wanted, he wanted them to have some strength. After all, they were building his roads. They were doing, you know, his, his gardens and his fountains and building his, his, you know, wonderful palaces and all the accoutrements. They were doing the, the aqueducts and the viaducts and the irrigation systems and making sure that everything was. So he wanted some strength. He just didn't want them to have enough strength to break free. This is exactly the same as food stamps and the welfare system. The welfare system was designed to keep some strength. You keep voting them into power in exchange. They won't give you enough to prosper. They won't give you enough to thrive because they don't want you to prosper. They don't want you to thrive. They want you to be dependent lest you prosper and break free of the need for them. It's the same spirit. And so he decides that any, any male child, that the midwives are to kill them. But the midwives are like, we didn't sign up midwifery to kill babies. We, we signed up midwifery to bring, but we love babies. We love life. And so when Pharaoh saw that the midwives weren't, weren't partnering, he then gave an, an edict. He kind of signed, uh, a, 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 passed it through Congress and... Chuck, the Chuck Schumer of his day voted on it with Nancy Crazy Pelosi and those knuckleheads, signed it into being. And uh, they made a decree that, that the, the police were going to come around, the, the Stasi, the state police were going to come around. And if you gave birth to a boy, they would take that boy and fling him into the Nile River and drown him. Yeah, crocodiles and, and stuff. So the Bible says that Jochebed gave birth to this little boy and she hid him for three months. And after three months, she realized she could not hide him any longer. But there'd been a word that God had been giving through the prophetic voices that God was going to deliver them from Egypt. The, the, the God who promised Abraham, the God who promised Isaac, the God who promised Jacob, that was reinforced through Joseph, that God was going to deliver them out of bondage into a land that was flowing with milk and honey that a deliverer was going to come. They needed deliverance. They were almost now at 400 years of slavery and bondage. They needed a deliverer. So this woman, Jochebed, puts her little three-month-old in an ark of bulrushes that she made herself and she puts him into the Nile River. She gives him over to God. She realizes, I can't hold or hide this any longer. God, I need you to do a miracle. Now, how many people know that when you give, yes, what you give leaves your hand? But did you know this, that what you give, though it leaves your hand, it never leaves your life. Did you know that? What you, what you give, yes, it leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life. The first, the first Gentile, the first non-Jew who was filled with the Holy Spirit was a guy called Cornelius. Cornelius was, was the, the commander of, of a Roman legion. And you'd say, well, why, why of all people did God just kind of randomly... And pick, no, the Bible says, Cornelius, your generosity and your giving has come up as a memorial before God. God has chosen you to be the first one filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues as a sign. Because what you gave, you thought leaving your hand left your life. No, no, it left your hand, but it went up as a memorial. Whenever you, whatever you give, though it leaves your hand, it does not leave you. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6, he says, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. For in the measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Hang on, what are you saying? That when I give, 
it doesn't leave my life? No, it leaves your hand, but it stays in your life. In fact, it goes into your future where it multiplies and it comes back to deliver. Watch this. Moses, three month old, is given by Jochebed to God. She trusts God. Moses gets adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. They then pay Jochebed to nurse him. Uh, and so she gets paid to now be his mama. But he grows up and he becomes the deliverer of Israel. She gave a baby, left her hand, didn't leave her life. He doesn't just come back to deliver her tribe, which is the tribe of Levi. He comes back to deliver the other 11 tribes. All 12 tribes were delivered, went into the future where it grew and multiplied and came back to deliver. She's the mother of faith and trust. Number three, Hannah. Hannah is the mama of breakthrough and follow through. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says that there was a man by the name of Elkanah who married a woman called Hannah, but Hannah was barren. The Bible says the Lord had closed her womb. She was unable to produce children. So back then they didn't have social security or social welfare. So he knew that when he gets older, he needs a son or you know children to take care of him. So he marries a second wife by the name of Peninnah. Peninnah has babies, but doesn't have his affection. His affection is with Hannah, but Hannah has affection, but she doesn't have babies. So she has something that Peninnah wants, and Peninnah has something that she wants, and so there's conflict in the home. The Bible says, and because the Lord had closed, or repeats it, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, Peninnah, her rival, used to provoke her, used to just mock her. Oh, you know, um, let me clean up that diaper. You probably don't know what that, because you don't have any, and she would, she would made Hannah's life miserable. Well, one day Hannah does what you wise people do is she comes to the house of God. She goes to the house of breakthrough. And in the house of God, when church had finished, she stayed behind. And, and Eli, the priest, is looking and he sees her, her lips moving, but no words coming out because she was travailing in prayer. Do not underestimate the prayers of a mama. I've seen the prayers of a mama deliver a boy from eight years of heroin addiction. The prayers of a mama are powerful. And she's praying and he says, put your wine away from your woman. And she says, do not think of your maidservant as a wicked woman. This is not wine or intoxicating drink, but this is a, a grievance of my soul and my heart. I'm barren and I want God to, to flick the switch. And most theologians will say, well, sweetheart, if the Lord closed your womb, he must have a reason you need to put up with it. Sometimes God will say no to you just to see whether you'll tolerate that. And uh, she, her thinking was, if God closed it, he can open it again. Nothing's impossible with God. If God closed the womb, well, then God can open it. And she goes, I ain't leaving here till he opens what he closed. And, and Eli was so shocked. He says, you know, woman, uh, let, it, let it be so. May the Lord bless you. Well, she goes and, you know gets up and she goes, that's all I want. I just needed a word. I just needed a word. The house of God is awesome. Come to the house of God in trial. Come to the house of God in difficulty. Come to the house of God when you need breakthrough. One word from heaven unlocks things. She goes home and gets pregnant. Now she made a vow. She said to God, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you all the days of his life. And the Bible says she goes home, Elkanah knew her, she conceives and she gets pregnant and she brings forth a little boy. She calls him Shmuel or Samuel, which means God has heard me. God has heard me. Now, most people right there would be glad for the breakthrough. Nobody was around when she made the vow. 
It wasn't like a vision builders thing where she wrote it down and handed it in. No, 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 no. This was, there was no one else there. This is kind of like, you know, you, you, you're driving and it's, you know, it's, it's Black Friday and the sales are on and, the, and it's just chaos in the mall. You can't find a parking spot. And so you start, you start doing deals with God. You're like, all right, God, if you get me a parking spot, I promise that I'll stop getting to church late most weeks. And, and I'll, 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 I'll join a volunteer. I'll join a volunteer. I know they're always asking for people to serve in kids. I'll even serve in kids' church. I just need, if you just get... Oh, never mind. Here's one. And so, you, you know, you pull in. <laughs> the Bible says that when she brings forth her only begotten son, when she brings forth Samuel, she weans him and then she takes him down to the house of God and gives him to Eli. There was no guarantee that she was going to have another baby. This was a miracle baby. But the Bible says that because she wasn't just a woman of breakthrough, but also a woman of follow through, she ends up having another five. Now, she actually sings a song saying that, that she who was barren is born seven. She actually gets to six. I reckon she's probably looking at the stretch marks and the five kids running around thinking, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tap out here if it's all right with you, God. But God was, God was ready to give her another one if she wanted because she prophesied it. She has another five babies. She, she, her, her quiver is full. She has five more children, six all up, including Samuel. But Israel got the most powerful and most prolific prophet because of Hannah being a woman of breakthrough and a woman of follow through. If you need breakthrough and if you need follow through, I want you to know that is hovering men and women. That is hovering over your life. That is something that is flowing to you. All right. How are we going? Good. Number four. Numero cuatro, por favor. Number four, Rahab and Ruth are the mamas of God's transformational power. God's transformational power. Come with me and read this verse. It's in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verse 10. Ruth, chapter 2, verse 10. It says, So she fell, she, Ruth, fell on her face, bowed to the ground, and said to him, Boaz, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? You might think, what a, what a weird scripture. Well, let me just give you the backdrop. This is a guy called Boaz. While we were in Israel, we got to go to the, the fields of Boaz. We, we, we were literally in uh, a restaurant called the, the, tent, the Bethlehem Tent, and it overlooked the fields of Boaz. We could look down and see where, where Ruth was gleaning in, in, in the fields, the, the, the same fields. So that's, and it was, it was the estate that David owned because Boaz was in his lineage. But here's this woman called Ruth. The book is called the book of Ruth. Ruth was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. Naomi was an Israelite, but the book's not called the book of Naomi. It's called the book of Ruth. Why would it be called the book of Ruth, not the book of Naomi? Uh, Naomi was an interesting character. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. So she decides she's going to leave Israel. She looks for, you know, she's the kind of one where, you know, pandemic hits her, she's the first to move to Texas <laughs> I'm just saying don't shoot the messenger 
She, she ditches God. She ditches God's people. And she goes down to Israel. Now, her husband's name is Elimelech. Elimelech, El is God. Melech is king. Her husband's name is God is king. But she's like, yeah, right. And so they go down there. She has two sons, Chilion and Marlon, which means uh, sickly and wasting away. So she takes sickly and wasting away down to Moab. Out of, and then sickly and wasting away, they get married and both of them die. And then she's angry with God. And God's like, angry with me? You call them sickly and wasting away. And then I'm the bad guy because they die. Anyway, and so, so then, 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 then she hears that God is visiting his people. And now she comes back. And when she's come back, like, hey, Naomi, welcome back. She's like, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because God has dealt with me bitterly. You know, and so God's like, yeah, you know what, darling? I'm not naming the book after you. Ruth. <laughs> We're calling it the book of Ruth. Because watch this, Ruth, when she lost her husband, Naomi says to her, sweetie, even if I was to get pregnant today, and are you going to wait 20 years for that boy to grow up and be your husband? Go back to your village. Go back to your people. Ruth married into this family because they were an Israelite family. God never visited Moab, but God had visited Israel. She'd heard about the God of Israel. She wanted to see what is it like for, for, for God to visit his people. She'd heard that God, and she says, you know what? I'm going to risk my future. I'm going to risk everything to go to a place where I can see God because I've heard that he's merciful. I heard that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and in sing provides. I, I want to see this God. So she says, uh, entreat me not to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, there will I be buried. And Naomi is like, she's never seen such faith. So Ruth comes back. When they get there, they got, they got nothing. And so she goes into the field of Boaz and she goes behind the reapers and she's just picking stuff up. Boaz is out on the porch and he looks and he says, who's this young lady? And they say, well, that's actually Ruth, the, the Moabitess who came back with, you know, with um, Aunt Naomi. He says, huh. He calls the men in at lunchtime. He says, you see that Moabite woman? Oh, yeah, we've noticed her. We've got an eye on her. Because... True story, if, if, if they were a non-Israelite, they were open slather to, to the, the wicked and they could, you know, rape, no protection. And so he says, all right, men, anybody even look at laying a hand on her, you'll be fired. And they're like, whoa. And then he goes and he invites her to the table and he says, here, have some bread and dip it in this oil and take some of this balsamic and I'm going to give you some extra portions. I'm going to command the men to, to give you some of the best. Well, she goes home and she shows it to, to her, her mother-in-law. And her mother's like, where did you get this from the field of Boaz? <gasps> Boaz, he's a kinsman redeemer. Oh my gosh, do this, do this. Because it's harvest time. As, the, as boys do, when they bring in their harvest, they're like, I'm bad. Look at me. She goes, after, after work, they're going to be having aperitivo. They're going to be having drinks. I want you to watch when he's had a few drinks and he's a little bit merry. I want you to watch where he lies down to sleep. Then I want you to do this. I want you to make sure that you've bathed, 
put on your best dress and perfume. And then wherever he goes down to sleep, I want you to sneak in, uncover the blanket and lay at his feet and he'll tell you what to do. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. This is called entrapment. For real. Because Naomi thinks if, if he's drunk and he's a little bit happy and then a beautiful woman is in his bed in the middle of the night, for sure it's going to go down. For sure he's going to sleep with her. For sure. And now all of a sudden, hey, well, you know, you entrapment. So the Bible says she does everything mama, Naomi, tells her to do. She uncovers, lays at his feet. At midnight, the Bible says, what the? And he looked. And there's, here is a beautiful woman in his bed, no one around. And Boaz says, who are you? She says, it's Ruth. And he says, oh, Ruth. He says, I've heard of you. I've heard of your faith, your devotion, that you're a virtuous woman. He says, sweetheart, this is not how it's going to go down. He says, I've already made inquiry. There's one man closer to me, a relative, who can marry you and redeem you. He says, and I will not let the sun set tomorrow before I go to him and ask him. And if he won't marry you, I will marry you. We're not doing it this way. We're doing it right. And the Bible says, and he says this, he says, I want you to wait here until the guys go out to work. And once the house is empty, I want you to, to sneak out because I don't want your reputation to be sold. She came in with an agenda. He covers her just like Jesus covers us. And she does this. She falls down and she says, how can you be so kind to me when I'm a foreigner? Boaz says, darling, I'm Boaz. My mama is a woman called Rahab. Rahab, the harlot. Rahab, the prostitute, the brothel owner, whose house was in the wall of Jericho. That when the spies came, she hid them. And when the authorities came, hey, we saw the spies of Israel coming in here. She, she hid them on, on, on her rooftop under the flags and said, oh, no, they were here. They were gone. And then when they came down and when the authorities had left, she said, listen, I saved you. My life's a mess. I know that God is giving you all this land. We've heard the promises. We heard what he did to the Red Sea when he opened it. And, the, and then he drowned. the. We know that God, please, please, would you remember me? and save me and my brothers and sisters and my mother and father. And they gave her a scarlet cord and they said, if you put the scarlet cord, scarlet is the, the, the color of suffering, sacrifice and blood. If you come under the blood, just like the Passover, you come under the blood, when the walls came down, when Joshua fought the barrel of Jericho and the walls came tumbling, when the walls came tumbling down, somehow supernaturally, Rahab, her brothers and sisters, her mother and father were supernaturally spared. And the Bible says, and Rahab lived with Israel to this day. But if you follow the story, she didn't just live with them. She marries a guy called Salmon, who was a prince in Judah. They give birth to a boy called Boaz. This is in the time of the judges. In the time of the judges, it's a time of unbridled sexual perversion, debauchery, wickedness, immorality. And here is a man, Boaz who has a woman laying at his feet with no one else around, a beautiful woman offering herself to him. And he 
doesn't live like his culture. And she's like, how can you? I don't understand. He's like, because my mama told me when she would bounce me on her knee that I used to be a woman of ill repute. I used to be a broken woman. I, I, I used to ensnare men by the but then I had an encounter with the salvation of God. He didn't, just, he didn't just save me from the walls coming down. He didn't just save me from destruction. He delivered me. He transformed. This man lives completely different to his culture because of Mama Rahab and because Mama Ruth. There's something beautiful and something different. Can I just tell you, you don't have to live according to your appetites and according to your flesh. You are not your habits. You are not your sins. You are not your iniquities. You are not the things that you struggle with. There is a power, there's a transformational power in the gospel that transforms. And the last one, number five, I've got to finish. Number five is Rachel, the mama of intercession. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 18, Matthew chapter 2, verse 18, it says, There was a cry and a lament in Ramah that was heard, a voice of lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, for they are no more. Can I just tell you, that scripture was fulfilled in the time of Jesus, when Herod executed all the boys under the age of three, trying to wipe out Jesus. You always know the fingerprints of Satan because it goes after children. In the days of Moses, in the days of Jesus, in our time now. The, 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 the people, they are bloodthirsty to want to slaughter the unborn. But it is always a sign that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is lifting up a standard. So when you see this level, this attack, this assault on the innocent, on infants, on children, on babies in the womb, know for sure that God is about to deliver. God is about to move in power. But it all happens because there's a Rachel, there's a mama weeping for her children. You know, I, I wanted to just honor my beautiful Leanne because when, when, when our eldest son was, was struggling, he was caught. In, in the cords of an addiction. Three times it tried to take his life. Three times it looked like it was over. But there are times I would come home and mama would be in the closet and she made, she made a picture board. And on the picture board, she put all the pictures of our boy before he was addicted, before he was bullied in school, where he had a smile, where he had joy, all these pictures. And she said, this is, this is my son and this is what I'm going to fight for. This is what I'm going to war for. This is what I'm battling for. And she would just be, I would see her on her knees, just praying, crying out to God, praying in tongues, fighting, contending with the devil, saying, devil, you are not taking. And she began to prophesy, all my children are taught of the Lord and Great shall be their and she would prophesy and that young man today flourishing prosperous free married because of a mama because of a mama because of a mama come on stand to your feet stand to your feet just lift your hands high to heaven I want you to know that there's no devil in hell that is more powerful than a son or daughter born again of the Spirit of God the Bible says that when you're born again, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit operating in you. But not only do you have power, the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says God has given you access to the name that is above every other name. You know, sometimes you'd say, oh man, that person's a name dropper. Well, you know, I was, I was there with uh, Prince Charles and I, I remember Camilla came over to me and said, yeah, I like the cut of your jib, young man. And 
you know, people love, people love name dropping. But can I tell you, there's no greater name that you can drop than the name of Jesus. When you, the devil can come in and say, hey, you're diagnosed terminal. Hey, your kids are off the rails. Hey, this alcoholism. Hey, there's diabetes that's generating. The doctors just found it in you. It was in your uncle Joe. It was in you. you all you do is you say, oh, well, I hear you, but I'm going to raise you now. I'm going to introduce right now the name that is above every other name. I'm going to name drop the name of Jesus in here. I already have the power of the Spirit in me, but I'm now going to double down, put the name of Je- between the Holy Ghost and the name of Jesus. You have power. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you for these magnificent sons and daughters. I thank you for the presence of God and the power of God and the Spirit of God. If you're not born again, do it today. Receive Jesus. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart. But I want you to know those five mamas, they pioneered something. They birthed something. And all five of those things are ready to flow into your life. All you got to do is literally open the faucet. All you got to do is say, Lord, I, I, I need some faith and trust in my life. Lord, I need some prophetic courage and prophetic leadership in my life. Lord, I need some breakthrough and follow through in my life. Lord, Lord, I need some transformational power in my life. And Lord, I need some intercession in my life. I need to fight for my family. I need to fight for my future. I need to fight for my finances. Father, I thank you for these things flowing in these magnificent sons and daughters. Bless them today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.